Let's go to Proverbs chapter 1. Let's pick it up in verse 8. You know, the book of Proverbs is uh, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It comes about through Solomon writing to his children and wanting to pass on godly wisdom. Instructions to his son, as it says in verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of your father. Now, girls, don't think that this doesn't apply to you because this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's put here in the scripture, in the scriptures. So, you know, see that as my daughter also. Uh, my child, if you want to put it that way, coming from the Father in heaven. The same way Solomon would sit there and, and say, let me share with you to his children, you know, the most important things that I can put in front of you. And, and he's going to say it with a great deal of passion. In fact, this first statement, my son, uh, and then down in verse, verse 10, my son, it's much more passionate than that. It's like, oh, my child, please, you know, with the heartfelt longings of parents to see their children secured in uh, prosperous and peaceful and blessed paths of life. That's the kind of passion he's using to communicate to his children. And it comes to us from the Heavenly Father that way. Um, that he's wanting to communicate to us as his children. And so, my son, my child, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother. So, again, it's not just Solomon. It's, it's parents together. I think that's a really nice picture right there, that to a mom and a dad both imparting a godly heritage, an instruction of wisdom to their children. For they will be graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. Uh, what does that mean? It's don't forsake the law of your mother and the instruction of your father. The idea is what he's going to give you, what the Lord wants to give us, is something that's going to make our life beautiful, beautify our lives. A graceful ornament on your head, chains about your neck. You know, and, and what an assault. That is right on our cultural thinking of, Life is only beautiful if you're, you know, running along the lines of what the world stamps its approval on. You know, if you're genetic, if you win the genetic lottery, if you're uh, rich and powerful and a celebrity, and life only has, you know, meaning and can only be applauded if you're culturally relevant, taking a bold stance, you know, for the alternative lifestyles. How current is that? The Lord says no. Wisdom, wisdom from heaven is what makes a life beautiful. He says this, my son, my child, if sinners entice you, do not consent. This is one of the big themes of Proverbs that we're going to get to in the the early chapters here. Wisdom is going to be seen as protection, protection uh, and safety for your life. If, If sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us. Let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without a cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol or the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. Uh, We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. You get the enticement there, right? It's, hey, we've got a plan to make some money. We're going to make a lot of change, a lot of bling here. And, uh, you know, we're going to get away with it. And, you know, you can join us. We'll let you in. Um, The enticement is there. If sinners enticement, do not consent. 
verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and they make haste or they're in a hurry with no forethought to shed blood. You know, they are, it says, surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. The idea is there, a simple bird, you know, sees you set a net to catch it and will never go into it because it understands that's a trap. But the bird brain, you know, of a person doesn't understand this they lie in wait for their own blood. They secretly lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain, takes away the life of its owner. You know, we could throw our own current cultural sort of colloquialism, crime doesn't pay, is the, is the idea there. And, and even if somebody can isolate themselves with layers and layers of money and influence and power still, you know, in the long term, ultimately, they're going to have to answer to God for their evil. But, but even in the short run, you know, um, those who, um, who surround themselves with violence and evil and darkness, you know, do they, do they live a life you want to emulate? Does that, are they living a life that you want? Does that look like something you want? So now, verse 20, um, uh, wisdom says, calls aloud outside, outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. Okay, here, wisdom is um, symbolically presented as a woman um, who is standing in important places in the city or in you know, the, the neighborhood, the, the town, the, the nation, the state, and inviting people to pay attention to her and listen to her, to receive her, her advice and her instruction. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. Here's what she says. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Okay, as we get into Proverbs, we need to take note of those three classes of people that, are, that the scriptures sort of uh, paint people into. There's the simple ones, there are scorners, as it says there in verse 22, and then there's also fools. And those are different, those are different types of um, levels of lacking wisdom. The simple, as the scriptures present us, are those who don't know any better. They've just never been taught. They're, they're kind of usually somebody young, somebody just starting out who's got, you know, the authority of their own life now. They can make their own, dis- own decisions. They just don't know any better. And so the invitation is to them to, okay, let me give you some instructions before you go out and how to, you know, make a mess of things. Just listen to me. Okay. The second type of person is to scorner. The scorner is somebody who... Uh, sees and mocks and makes fun of. They think that that uh, uh, there are no consequences. They make fun of of the whole idea of God and these kinds of things. Um, uh, and then the last one, the fools. The fool. That's a very powerful term. Fool. It isn't in English language, but it was in the Hebrew. Remember, Jesus says uh, in Matthew five, if you. you 
if you're angry with your brother without cause, you're in danger of the judgment. If you say to him, Raka, you know, that's a problem. But if you say fool, those are increasing levels of disdain for somebody. Somebody who's said to be a fool um, is someone who's going to be rejected by God. And they, they are in evil all the way. They don't care. It's a very powerful statement. Um, fools hate knowledge. Pay, pay, no, pay attention to the, those three different types of people because they show up at different times in the, in, the, in the Proverbs. So she's calling to these simple ones, scorners and also fools. She says, turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you and I will make my words known to you. So there's an invitation. There's an invitation for, from wisdom to listen and go and turn in a new direction. And you know, that's, well, that's the admonition of all of scripture, to turn, right? We, we wrap that up in the idea of repentance, to hear the truth, to think differently about the direction I'm going in, change my mind about it, and go in another direction. Wisdom is calling out. But it's a warning here, verse 24, because I have called and you refused, and I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded, because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. In other words, the wisdom to avoid what is happening has always been there, and but you wouldn't listen, so the result is, verse 26, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Um, okay, what, it, what it's saying there is when we refuse obedience to the Lord, when we refuse the counsel of the Lord, when in, in the picture here, the wisdom from the Lord is rejected uh, and the consequences come upon us, the idea there is there's a big fat I told you so. And um, as much as we want to repent in those moments, and we can, and the repentance is always available to anybody, even after dire circumstances, some of those consequences are going to remain in this life. That's the idea, is listen now, because while you can choose your sin, you can't choose your consequences. And so wisdom is personified saying that. Listen now before it is too late. Verse 28, then they will call upon me, but I will answer. But I will not answer, excuse me. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because... They hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Remember, this is the second time we have encountered that phrase in the book of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord. That was back in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, um, uh, you know, in, in every discipline of life, you've got to have the fundamentals squared away and straight, right? We don't want to go to an accountant who can't get one and one right, right? Can't do the basics of math. We don't want to go to a doctor who, you know, has, doesn't know the basics of the body. We don't want to, you know, we don't want, to, we don't want anybody 
to bring in expertise into our life who have the fundamentals wrong, the very first step. You know, if, if I used to be an engineer, if, and they teach you the fundamentals, and if you can't get the fundamentals right, it doesn't make any sense to go any farther because it's all going to be gibberish after that. And so the very first step in uh, finding a life that uh, the Lord will promise is secured and blessed is to take uh, and accept this fear of the Lord. Um, and, and so what does that look like? What, is a, what, is a, what does a fear of the Lord look like? You know, we could say it's the reverential awe and respect due God. Well, that is, but what does that look like? Well, it looks like, it looks like obedience to the Lord. Jesus said, he who, loves, he who has my word and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And um, here's somebody who, in verse, this, this picture of this woman calling, constantly inviting anybody to accept her admonitions, they refuse it, and then this calamity comes upon them, and, they see, and she says, well, I don't know what you're expecting. You refused everything I told you, and now this destruction, this, it's upon you. What do you want me to do? Okay, sometimes, you know what, sometimes getting out of a trial, getting out of a calamity like that involves listening to the Lord and, render, and, and understanding that the way out of that trial is now obedience. Is how much of our trials, how much of our calamities come because of disobedience? So sometimes that is the case. But it said, uh, they would have none of my counsel and also despised my every rebuke. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Now that's a generalized promise. Okay, We're going to see that elsewhere in Scripture. Um, and that is, whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Generally speaking, that is true. I mean, how much trouble do we save ourselves and do we avoid by simply following the admonitions of Scripture to live a holy life? I mean, we get out of the alcohol, we get out of the drugs, we get out of the corrupt business practices, we stop lying, we stop cheating, and suddenly our life becomes stable and prosperous, our relationships are restored as we obey the Lord. And, and that's, you know, over the long term, this is going to be true. Now, we can't control some of the uh, random events of evil in our world, but um, generally speaking, uh, you, you know, this will lead to dwelling safely and securely without fear of evil. Chapter 2, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, okay, I remember when I... I was taking computer classes back in college, and you had the if-then, you know, in, the, in your programming. You have conditions. If this happens, then there's a thing that you're supposed to do out there. Okay, that's exactly what's happening here. Here's an if-then condition. Uh, there, there's a requirement on our part, and then there's a promise on the outside of that if we do that. The if is in verse 2. 
And there the conditions continue down. The then is down in verse 5. If you receive my words, okay, so that's our responsibility to receive, accept them, acknowledge them, look at them, understand them, say yes. Uh, If you treasure my commands within you, so that's a value statement. I'm going to find value in those so that you incline your ear to wisdom. Okay, if I'm treasuring something, I'm going to want that. We're going to see that in just a minute. And apply your heart to understanding. Okay, there's another important aspect of what we're going to read tonight. Note um, how often uh, the heart shows up and um, our responsibility in that, in our managing our own hearts. So here it is, the first time. If you apply your heart to understanding... Yes, if you cry out for discernment, okay, there's, there's some energy in, involved in this looking for uh, wisdom, treasuring. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, okay, uh, you know, there's hidden treasure uh, uh, around the world, um, in uh, Arizona, in the Superstition Mountains, there's the legend of the Lost Dutchman's Gold Mine. You ever heard of that? Probably heard of that. Uh, supposedly, there somewhere in those Superstition Mountains was a big uh, stretch of land, very rugged, very inhospitable. Um, there's the uh, historical, some some sort of mythological, some some true, some hard to discern, of some Dutchman who in who came out. And with a large uh, bit of gold and uh, on his deathbed admitted that he had stashed away or there was a lot more gold in these mountains and uh, didn't exactly communicate where it was but gave some hints and left some treasure, some obscure little maps and things. There are some people who have bought into that, whether it's true or not, I don't know, um, and have spent a lifetime looking for that lost Dutchman's gold mine. Uh, on on uh, TV, you ever seen that show, uh, The Curse of Oak Island? And they supposedly that money pit, and it's an artificial structure, and and supposedly you know there's some extremely valuable thing down at the bottom of this deep pit, hidden on this island of Nova Scotia. And these these two brothers are investing millions of dollars to try to get down to there. Hidden treasure is the idea here both in those and in here. Uh, people invest their lives searching for that. And, he, and the Lord is inviting us to apply that same kind of uh, lust for something extremely valuable to his word and to go after it with, you know, just, just throw yourself at it. And here's why. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of the saints. Are those things valuable? Yeah, they're valuable. They're valuable in this life, and they're extremely valuable in the next life. Um, you know, the New Testament says that uh, godliness is profitable for this life and the next life. 
Then you will understand righteousness and justice in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, here we go, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. Okay, again, wisdom is presented as protection here. Not only is it protection, we looked at it as a very valuable treasure. It's also treasure and it's protection. Discretion will preserve you. Here it is, to keep you from the wrong kind of people. Yes, there are people we need to be protected from. There's always repentance available to every person on earth. Um, but, there, but there's times and places where we need to uh, realize that someone needs to be, have the gospel preached to them and then I, you just need to keep your distance from them. In, in this context where we found them, they need the gospel, but, but they, we need to stay away from them. So uh, understanding will keep you uh, to deliver you from the way of evil. Okay, now there's going to be both men and women that are evil. Here's the, here's the man's part. From the man who speaks perverse things, uh, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. Okay, and there's a very robust picture of uh, evil men. And you, know, you can paint that in any uh, way in this, in this life, um, whether it's crooked business practices or, you know, gang initiation, gang, you know, the, the attraction of, um, of gang recruitment to those who are looking for acceptance and a family, um, that kind of thing, that kind of approval from, from authority. Um, it'll protect you. Wisdom will protect you from that. But also... Uh, to deliver you from the immoral woman, the evil woman who is immoral, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Now, we can flip both sides of these, right? We could say there's evil women who are doing those things, and we could also say there's immoral men. So, but generally speaking, again, um, uh, you know, especially in our culture, um, sexual immorality is... Uh, used and promoted for for everything. I mean, it's used to sell everything. Sell cars, you know, sell hamburgers, and um, uh, everything. Everything is loaded with sexual immorality. Um, to deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Um, you, you know, over and over again, we hear... Um, that you know, men are just suckers for flattery from beautiful women. Um, we are. I'm sorry, uh, but um, you know, it can go both ways. Um, especially guys who are, um, you know, maybe in a less than perfect marriage and are struggling. Along comes a woman who, um, you know, begins to to say things to him and he's not hearing at home I'm not I'm not blaming the woman I'm just the woman at home I'm just saying guys pay attention um, don't fall for that um, don't fall for the woman who who you know laughs hard at your jokes you know that's very ego satisfying <laughs> don't fall for it um, who thinks you're the coolest thing in the world um, you know what um, 
just take stock of that and, and be warned about that. Um, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, she's already married, you know, this woman. Um, she forgets the covenant of her God and her house leads down to death and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. Okay. Um, falling into sexual immorality that way and, and not repenting leads here. That's what it's saying. Now, again, repentance is always available. There may be consequences that have to be worked out in this life, but um, left unchecked, sexual immorality, as Scripture is going to say elsewhere, is going to reduce a man to a crust of bread. Nor do they regain the paths of life. Um, You know, uh, with the advent of uh, the Internet and the um, introduction of pornography onto the Internet, um, it's very, very powerful to fall under the the slavery of Internet porn. And um, um, if, if... you know, you know somebody who's in that state. Um, they need a high degree of accountability to get out of it. Uh, it's very powerful stuff, and um, for someone who who needs help getting out of that, um, very structured steps of accountability need to be taken. It needs to be matched up, obviously, the first step with repentance and um, and and prayer and getting right with God, and then after that, there's some steps of accountability with some prayer partners and, and some men or, or women who are, you know, uh, some equivalent gender people. Guys don't counsel the women, women don't counsel the guys in such a matter. Um, but um, there is a way out of that. Uh, you know, the scripture says, no temptation is, has, um, no temptation has overtaken you except for what is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not um, allow you to be tempted, but beyond what you bear, beyond what you can bear, but also provide a way out. Um, uh, you know, it seems like that stuff comes from the deepest parts of us, and that's true. It comes from a very, very deep part of us. That's we're wired for that. We're wired for um, the sexual relationship. God put that in us. Um, but why is it that there's no sexual diseases when there's one man and one woman for life? there is in sexual immorality because there's it's, that's a message um, there's consequences to uh, in ignoring the way God has designed things um, so um, repentance is always available and, and those things that come from the deepest parts of us feel like they can't be overcome but you know what there is something deeper there's a spirit of God who can work at the deepest parts of us and even deeper. Deep calls unto deep at the sound of, of your billows, O Lord, right? Um, the scriptures say that comes from the deepest parts of you, the spirit of God working inside of you, and he can give you the power to get out of that. Let's keep going. Verse 20, so you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land 
and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Um, Again, you know, in a complex society like ours, um, and uh, um, you have to take these just as general, these kinds of longevity promises that you're going to be shielded from all evil and things, that's just a general promise from the Lord um, because there are things we cannot predict in this life. But living a life apart from sin is going to protect you and shield you from a lot of, a lot of nonsense that, that you know, uh, can take a lot out of our lives. Verse, uh, chapter 3, he says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Okay, we've, we've found the heart again here. Remember the heart, entered, wisdom entered your heart in, in verse 10. Uh, when wisdom entered our hearts, we allowed it, we received it, we took it into our heart. Now our heart is not supposed to forget. Don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Again, there's a stewardship and a responsibility there um, that we have in our hearts, that inner life. Uh, we're supposed to pay attention to it, and um, but in very specific ways. You know, the people say, well, I'm just following my heart. Well, you're going over a cliff then. Um, because the heart's just, the scripture has some very dark things to say about the heart, right? Jeremiah, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Um, but there's, there's great promises in the scriptures about the Lord helping you to manage what's going on there and, and taking um, a role in policing it, helping you police it. Here's one, let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Again, it's a figurative uh, statement about your heart. The idea is we're going to take it into the deepest parts of us. This is going to be the most meaningful things to us. It's going to be what God has said, not what I feel, you know, is that kind of stuff. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Um, I don't know if you're new to the Lord and you've never read this verse before. If you haven't, boy, what a privilege I have to introduce this verse to you. Um, A lot of people have a life verse and um, they find significant places in the scripture that that talk about the promises of the Lord. Here's a good one. Uh, I encourage you to memorize this. This, is, this goes a long ways. Look at the result. Verse 6. Let's kind of go at this kind of backwards. He shall direct your paths. What child of God doesn't want that? I mean, if there's anything a child of God wants to know, it's that he's directed our paths and we're where he wants us to be. I mean, you can go through anything if you know you're in the will of God. The hardest thing, you know, it can, it can be fraught with difficulties and and all kinds of stuff. But if you know that this is where God has you right now, boy, there's an anchor of serenity and peace there that will carry you through. And so knowing he's directing our paths is so valuable. Um, you know, it's very, very fundamental to our, to our walk with the Lord. I want to be where he is. And so he shall direct your paths. That's where I want to end up. Well, how do you get there? 
Let's go back to the beginning. He's got three things there in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Um, the heart inwardly is, is ascribed a lot of things that we also in our kind of our thinking would relegate to the term our mind. And so uh, we can make decisions with our heart. Um, we can choose to uh, value things and weigh things out with our heart, with our mind, if you want to say that. So the scripture says, um, trust. You know, we, we have something in our makeup, each one of us does, by which we think we're going to be okay. Something's going to get us from where we are now, in this moment of time, to wherever, you know, through our week, through our job, through our month, through our year, through another election cycle, and we're going to be okay because, what is that thing? My job, my ability to solve my problems, the economy, money, you know, my, my education. That's the thing we trust in. Uh, the Lord is saying, that trust belongs with me, he is saying. Trust the Lord. He's one that wants to have our confidence to carry us through every day, every week, every month, every turn of the calendar, every cycle of life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's another part of our heart, right? Showing up in this, um, another introduction of our heart responsibility in this. And lean not on your own understanding. Okay. Uh, you know, that's what got us into, pro- into trouble in the first place, right? You remember when you got saved? You got there because you trusted your own understanding. And what a wreck that was, right? Uh, don't sh- I don't want to see a show of hands. But, um, yeah, at the ripe old age of 23, I came to the conclusion that I was going in the wrong direction. And I hadn't any idea which way to go. And, um, you know, if the answer wasn't in God's love, there was no answer. And uh, you came to a similar conclusion. And it was our own understanding that stole our life. uh, Because we left God out of it. And we tried to do it ourselves. And um, so we're not going to lean on our own understanding. You know, the scriptures um, say in Isaiah, when we get there, that, uh, his way of understanding is so far above us that there's just, just no comparison. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my ways, so are my thoughts over your thoughts. And, you know, when I, when I make decisions, I want all the variables, you know, how, you, you hear that in, in people who are making important decisions about money and investing. They try to get as much information as they can before they make a decision and, you know, Make that sale, make that trade. Well, I know somebody who's got all the information. (laughs) And he's got perspective through time, and he knows where you're going to be, where I'm going to be in, you know, a few minutes, in a few days, a few weeks, a few months, years. And he can see that clearly. And if I leave him to make those decisions, he has promised to bless and direct in ways that I would never be able to get to. Uh, I have no capacity to see those things, but he does, and he's willing to lead and guide in those ways. Lean not on your understanding. Eject it. Your own understanding is going to get you messed up. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Um, That means that we're going to consciously and deliberately look to obey the Lord and think about him in every circumstance. You know, so all the ways before the Lord, we just kind of went about our business and did our own thing. Now we're bringing the conscious awareness of the Lord and his, and his grace and his mercy into everything, into our workplace, into how I understand all that, into my family relationships, my spouse, my kids, all of that. I'm now going to um, deliberately say, Lord, what is your way in this? I don't want you know, my, my way, ugh, it was a mess. So what is your way, Lord? In all your ways, acknowledge him. It's to ask for his help and want his help and his decisions and all those things. When we do that, it says he shall direct your paths. What a beautiful promise to know that you're um, being directed by the Lord. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. More than that, do not be wise in your own eyes. You know, as a kid, I, I, we had to like, don't be wise in your own eyes, bubble eyes, or I'll pop you down to peanut size. Okay. Um, uh, don't be wise in your own eyes. Uh, fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Um, fear the Lord. It's the third time we've encountered that in the, in the Proverbs. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Proverbs 16 is going to go on and say, uh, by mercy and truth, atonement is provided for sin, and by the fear of the Lord, a man departs from evil. Um, that fear of the Lord um, will keep us out of the wreckage of sin. We don't want sin because it wrecks and it, and it, it interrupts our fellowship with the Lord. It puts us in a place where um, you know, it's not. I'm not bringing up eternal security issues and stuff like that. But certainly, our fellowship is is interrupted. You know, that that conscious awareness, that knowledge, and that sensation of his of his of knowing you're in his will, that's interrupted, and that's broken. And and uh, I I've been there a few times. I I don't want to go back to that. It's terrible. And uh, um. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, and the result will be, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. You know, how much uh, better is it for us when we take the admonitions of the Lord to stay out of evil? How much better? I mean, it's just better for us. You know, how much you know, bodily wreckage could we have avoided if we had stayed out of alcohol, stayed out of drugs? stayed out of those things. And when somebody comes to the Lord and they, they put that off and their health improves, you know, um, that's the idea there, is now looking to the Lord is now going to improve your life in some material ways. But more than that, he says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Um. Again, you know, the, the chapter 3 started with my son. Don't forget my law. Here's the admonitions of, 
uh, a wise parent talking to their child, um, our perfectly wise father instructing us as his children. And he says, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, giving. Um, giving is an important uh, spiritual discipline to learn. Um, honor the Lord with your possessions. Um, you know, when, when we give to the Lord, well, some, we, we receive from the Lord the blessings so that we can give to the Lord. Uh, he gives us everything. The scripture says that he gives us the ability to prosper and, to, and, and everything is his. You know, everything that we're surrounded with, everything we're driving, everything we're wearing, everything has come out of the earth and he created it. Um, and so it's all his and he blesses us and when we come to the Lord and our lives become stable and prosperous because now we're we're walking in righteous ways and we're living according to you know uh, the, the mandates of scripture we're obedient to him our lives become stable they probably enter a measure of prosperousness you know it's not that you're gonna suddenly have wheelbarrows full of money going down to the bank that's not the promise but, you know, we suddenly aren't wondering how we're going to pay for the net. We're not going through jobs because we you know, are constantly showing up at the job, you know, ways. we're not cheating on our boss time. You know, all that stuff falls out. And so now the Lord says, okay, learn to give now. And, um, you know, giving to the Lord, um, some theologies have that reversed, right? They say you give so you can get more from the Lord. Um, you know, you give your seed faith so that the Lord will bless you tenfold. That's completely reversed. You're giving to the Lord in that point, not in worship to the Lord, but at a greed. Um, but we receive from the Lord so that we can give back to him. It's a privilege to give to the Lord. And uh, it really is, it's, it's a statement of worship to the Lord, all you've given me, Lord, I want to worship you. I want to give you back some. Um, it's an act of faith. You know, before we came to know the Lord, wow, uh, we struggled to, to, you know, make as much as you can and that kind of stuff. And suddenly you get saved. And I heard it said this way, you can do more with 90% in the Lord than you can with 100% without the Lord. <laughs> and... Um, you know, giving to the Lord is an act of faith because it says, Lord, you're going to provide for me. And I'm unplugging my dependency from money and giving it to you. I'm dependent upon you. I'm not, I'm not dependent on my money. So it's an act of faith to the Lord. Um, you know, it's, it's an investment in the kingdom of God. I'm not prepping you for an offering either, okay? Um, um, it just happens to be here in Scripture, so we'll talk about it. Um, Really, uh, giving to the Lord is also an assault on our self-centeredness, right? Uh, what's mine? I'm going to spend it on me, me, me. And so when I give to the Lord, uh, that's a way of, you know, kicking that off a bit and, and saying it's not about me. It's about you, Lord. It's about your kingdom and what you're doing. And I want to be in that. What you're doing, I want to be there doing that. And I might not be able to be there, but I can invest in it.
and I can have have a hand on it. You know, um, um, and so the flip side of that is kind of true too. For those Christians who don't give, um, you know, uh, that's a way of saying my security is. They're saying my security is in my money, and um, you know. But look, I understand, and this is my personal view here. Um, there are times and ways in which you can you can mismanage your money, and through some mistakes and through you know mismanaging your own money, you can get into a place where um, you can lose your ability to give to the Lord. I mean, if you have so much debt, you know, on your credit cards, and you've overspent that way, and that was wrong, and and you've learned your lesson. One of the things that might bite at you is you lose your ability to give to the Lord for a season. Um, and again, this is my personal view because, you know, we manage debt in some ways. We have a, a house payment and we have a little bit of debt here and there. We pay that in a responsible way. But if we're drowning in debt so that we can't, we're not paying those anymore, I, I don't think God would be honored by us going to those people and saying, I can't pay you what I owe you because I gave to the Lord. You know, there's somewhere in Scripture where, where Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, settle with your adversary. Leave your gift at the altar and go get right with those other people and then come back and give your altar. So, I, you know, there can be ways in which we mismanage and fall into sin in our, in, our, in our finances and we can get underwater that way and lose our ability to give. Um, but, you know, spiritual... One of the spiritual disciplines we need to learn is to give, and it's good for us. It ought to be a joy for us to give. Um, the scripture does talk in terms of a tithe, but that's to the Jews. That was completely to the Jews. Nowhere does it say the Gentiles are supposed to tithe. Nowhere. If you're going to stick to the tithe, well, you have to stick to how the tithe was used. It wasn't just one tithe. A tithe means 10%. There was a 10% that went to the temple. There was a 10% that went to their local Levites. There was another 10% that went up to just a local kind of social store up the goods for the local poor thing. So it was really about 30 to 35% if you're going to be sticklers to the, to the give the tithe thing. Uh, it's a good place to start, you know. You try. I don't know. You give. Scripture says this. Give as you purpose in your heart. And, uh, um, you know, we're here at Calvary. We uh, kind of fell into the habit of, you know, back um, a ways ago, way ago when money was so abused by um, churches that the offerings became a stumbling block for people. Um, we've put the boxes on the walls. If you want to give, you can give. Certainly it's there to receive your offerings and tithes. But... Um, because of that, we've set it up that way so that you can give if you want to. And um, that's all what I'm going to say about it, okay? <laughs> um, the idea is um, store up your treasure in heaven. Hmm? Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And then finally, you know, we don't want to end our study with giving, so let's end it with not despising the chastening of the Lord. (laughs) 
My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Uh, Again, another admonition from, um, from a parent to a child. Um, recognizing the need to be receiving instruction from the Lord. The Lord doesn't punish. That's not the word here, chastening. The word is, is um, better understood underneath the idea of coaching. You know, you have a coach that drives you and, and gets you into a place where you can, you, can, you, can, you can receive, you know, all that you can do and, uh, and go to your maximum potential kind of thing. Um, the idea is the Lord's not going to allow you to miss out on the best. And if that means that, you know, you need some correction and instruction here or there, then we need to accept that and recognize it. Um, and recognize that that's his love because he, he doesn't want to see us fall under the limitations and the consequences of, of that disobedience. And so he corrects us that way. It's not punishment. You know, he's not getting us. He got his son, so I didn't have to get you. Uh, so, um, you know, the New Testament picks us up pretty significantly in Hebrews and um, talks about the need for us to endure this kind of correction and really to recognize that, again, we accept it and then we come out the other side of his chastening with um, what the scripture says, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. In other words, we're going to have greater intimacy with the Lord on the other side of this. We're going to be in a position of glorifying him in a, in a deeper, more meaningful, more fruitful way. And so uh, when we get into those places and you know, you have to been in the Lord not more than a week before you realize there's some chastening going on. Uh, and if you've been with the Lord longer time, you've you know what I okay, you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, you 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 get the chastening. Um, we we uh, uh, we begin to look at it from that standpoint of the Lord's. This is the Lord's intimacy in my life, and. Um, you know, the, the, the big mistakes are in when we're chastened is to despise it. It says right here, um, do not despise, don't hate it, don't despise it, uh, but recognize um, that he, this is his, the Father's love for you in action, real-time action. He's drawing you into a deeper, more meaningful usefulness to him through this. Um, the other the, the other. Uh, uh, error is to just eject out of it and say, I'm not doing that, you know, forget it, I'm done with that. Well, that's a terrible mistake also. Um, For the Lord loves he who corrects. And in fact, the scriptures go on so far as say, if he doesn't correct you, then you're not his. Whoa, um, that's a heavy statement, you know. Uh, that's why I'm concerned about, uh, I, I'm always concerned about Christians who can say they're getting away with sin or you find out they've been sin, they've been hiding sin for a long time and they're just not repenting of it. Uh, I'm always concerned for those 
and have a big question mark over them. Are you really the Lord's? If you've been able to hide sin and get away with it and have no conviction over it and, and sense nothing of the Lord moving you out of that, it's a very dangerous place to be in. How's that for a cheery note to end this, in the scripture in this night's on, okay? <laughs> uh, we're gonna end there. Um, let me say this. Uh, you know, if you've, someone who has never known the chastening of the Lord, you don't know what we're talking about, then know this, that the Lord does love you and he has provided for your sin to be judged and taken away uh, on Jesus on the cross. And um, if that's a new thing to you, uh, we want to pray with you to receive the Lord. Um, if it's just falling on somebody's ears far away, you know it doesn't take any special recipe or words to turn to the Lord. He's looking for a sincere heart to believe what he has done for you, that he took all of your sin, past, present, and future, on the cross and then uh, paid for it completely and proved it was completely take, taken care of by raising Jesus from the dead on the third day. If you want to believe that, then you can enter into that relationship uh, and find that living relationship with God as your father. And it's just uh, an acknowledgement, uh, a quiet prayer in your own heart away of saying you do believe that. Uh, although it is good for you to find somebody who is a Christian and tell them about that, and they'll pray with you. So there you go. Let's stand and we'll finish tonight. We'll pray and go our way. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for your care and concern for us in this life and wanting to give us um, instructions on how to live. And so we do treasure your commands, Lord, and um, we open our hearts for you to write on them. We thank you, Lord. Come near and direct us uh, day by day, moment by moment. Thank you, Lord. Uh, We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.